0: Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter.
1: Morning, everyone. Um, welcome to The Morning Break with me, Jane Ritter. This morning, I am really, really excited. My guest is so much fun. You may know her from Instagram. Olá. <laughs> um, lovely and warm here and um, sunny days
0: live from naples this is the morning break with jay ritter on teachers talk radio tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation download the podbean app and search teachers talk radio follow the hashtag tt radio tune in talk it out with teachers talk radio
1: So, how are you all feeling this morning? Today, I'm feeling um, pleasantly relaxed. I actually had a weekend in the UK, a um, fantastic time at the ELT Publishing Professionals Away Day. There she is. I'm going to co- call Ola, I'm going to invite you in to speak. Just while I'm waiting for Ola to join the show, um as you know, today is the UN International Day of Peace and I have a wonderful friend on Facebook who obviously posts lots of um, lots of wonderful resources and um, if you are really stuck for a lesson plan you might be teaching this afternoon and you need something for your teens class hop onto the British Council Learn English Teens website. There's a great activity there for you to use. It's really nicely scaffolded. If you're teaching primaries, there are 33, 33 multicultural books about peace on www.coloursforus.com. They may be of use if you're teaching primary learners English. So just before I get to my wonderful guest. Let me just tell you a little bit about her. Ola Kowalowska, and I hope I've, you will correct me if I haven't <laughs> pronounced that correctly. Ola is an English teacher, turned teacher trainer, turned language school manager, turned language school owner, turned business coach for teachers. And she has been helping language teachers wanting to work independently to make better money than they ever would working for a school. Um, She teaches them the basics of business, how to change their mindset for success and she has a great weekly podcast, Get Richer Teacher. If you have a chance to listen, Um, she explores questions like, is it possible to work three days a week as a teacher? If I raise my prices, will my students leave? And occasional business sprints. Um, I do recommend you follow her on Instagram because her advice her approach her attitude is fantastic so let's see ola are you there hello i'm here can you hear me Can i can and i'm so happy you're here oh thank you so much jane it's
2: been like the sweetest introduction ever thank you
1: (laughs) oh there's lots more to know
2: Uh, i'm so happy to be here thank you so much for inviting me i'm very excited to be talking to you and um hello to all the listeners
1: <laughs> there are plenty of them i think have you got i can hear an echo have you got me on your-
2: me um, um how do i change that though i'm not sure mm, because i do not own any um headphones, headphones. i'm afraid especially not the wired one because it's a stupid iPhone,
1: um, but. Maybe when I speak, if you block me. Oh, sure. (laughs) That's great. Okay, I'm going to hand it over to you. Obviously, your journey has been quite, um, it's, it's a rocket, isn't it? Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your teaching journey, Ola?
2: Yeah, of course. Happy to. Um, So I went into teaching by sort of an accident. (laughs) So I've always known I was good at languages. I was very much uh, that was probably the only thing I was ever really good at at school. Um, I could never really focus at, even though my family really thought I would be good at science and maths and things like that, that didn't turn out to be true, but I always loved English, German. So in high school. Um, I kind of chose like a like a class profile. I'm originally from Poland. So that's why I'm saying high school if it's confusing for anybody. Um, And but then something happened and I decided to study something that I thought would be more practical. So I started studying uh, political sciences and oh my goodness, what a horrible choice. I was bored to death. So literally on my end of my first year at uni i decided to start teaching i found like a um like a little um little language school i didn't need many qualifications i had already had some a cambridge certificate so that was enough started teaching and fell in love with it basically and i was what was I 19 back then. Wow. So yeah, I know, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I knew it was gonna. I, I just, I was going to stay in that kind of line of work. I loved it. Um, so I started by working with children and, uh, because I had so much energy, I've always had so much energy. That's also, um, like it comes, it comes across. <laughs> I think it does. And I'm very much aware. <laughs> um, uh, so I worked with teens as well, and people kind of assume that, oh, my God, you're such a good like performer and you love working with kids. But like, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I, I didn't feel that satisfied because I don't have enough patience as well. So <laughs> I soon realized um, that I actually that I still love teaching, but I wanted to do more adult work and like work with people that really like kind of vibe with me. I get a lot of energy from other people. I'm like, Extreme, extreme case of an extrovert, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did, uh, having had five or six years of experience, I uh, did my CELTA. Um, So that was an interesting experience because, you know, it was challenging for uh, for a variety of reasons. We know CELTA is challenging in general. It's
1: challenging, indeed.
2: Yep. Uh, but um, I. I absolutely loved it. And I saw great potential in working, like even per- perhaps so while doing CELTA, I already knew I was going to do Delta and like somewhere uh, behind uh, somewhere at the back of my head was always the idea th- of becoming a teacher trainer as well, because that appealed to me. Um so basically. I did uh, a little bit of of adult teaching and then me and my husband kind of came up with an idea of moving to the UK from Poland. And I thought, yeah, I've got a CELTA, I know that they want uh, that kind of qualification if you want to find work there. And that's what happened. So we moved to the UK in 2016, but the reality hit me quite hard, unfortunately, because the work. oh the work conditions were just awful the first job that i found was paid literally 10 pounds an hour oh, no. uh, it was and and i think it was still quite common <clears throat> back then so that was 2016 yeah
3: hmm.
2: and that was even though i had um an ma as well so you know like i i thought i would get something better but i couldn't there wasn't enough work and if there was there was just seasonal work so like summer work and and obviously there is a big boom in language schools in the summer so I was a bit disappointed so I quickly realized that if I wanted to have an advantage I would need a Delta quite soon Um, so I applied and I got in Um, so I started my Delta in 2017 and in the first week, another funny thing happened. I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> so that wasn't ideal, but I did finish. I did manage to complete, um, the delta. Oh, hats,
1: hats off to you for that. Nice.
2: I, I kind of felt impressed with my own, um, I don't know how I did. I think it was just like, I knew I couldn't, um, put too much pressure on myself because there is another little uh, uh, human inside me so I think that's how I how I did it and I did it quite well actually also ended up uh, sorry yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up um, completing it in June 2017 so that was quite recent you know my I think that yeah. ever since then my career has um developed (laughs) quite quickly because i also got a summer job as a dos as a director of studies in a in a language school which was quite by chance and then obviously i had a break because of um, you know having a baby so i had a break for a year but i still like I, i i'm always i've always been very restless so i couldn't really not do anything so i would give classes to Uh, mums in my local area and there were Mm -hmm. lots of Polish, Bulgarian, Romanian mums and we would meet and have chats in English and it was just lovely and just gave me that kind of sense of having a purpose. So (laughs) that's what I did. And then when my maternity leave finished, I uh, applied for a managerial position in a language school in London. And again, by chance, I got it. (laughs) Why do you say by chance? I don't know, (laughs) because only last year I realized that there was, uh, that I don't actually believe in luck. Um, I just like saying it because otherwise it sounds like bragging, which is kind of interesting because one of the biggest things that I teach teachers that I work with now is mindset and having the right mindset and not, and actually giving yourself credit for your accomplishments. I was going to say, I
1: mean, that is a pretty, (laughs) I've had, uh, teachers with uh, with kids like their partners having a baby and they're and they're doing the delta and it's stressful enough for them but I can't I've, I've never actually know heard of anyone who has has actually and, and it you know the ELT teachers who are listening know what it's like to go through the delta if they've done it and it really does absorb you um so I'm I, I certainly don't think it's your luck or chance or or anything like that it just shows real strength and and great for you and then to move on
2: thank you for I saying that I, said, I just sometimes forget i, I sometimes forget uh <laughs> I, I need to like kind of uh, teach what i preach preach what i teach. <laughs> genuinely i just forget to apply it to myself i guess but yeah so okay i guess my hard work took me <laughs> where i was so i did a little bit of uh that managerial work that turned out to be like uh not exactly aligned with who i am as a person because as we can all imagine um, an assistant director of studies job requires lots of admin work there wasn't too much uh, contact with with students with i mean there was a bit but it was in a in a very weird way that Mm -hmm. i think i wasn't using my strengths But that kind of work in that school, uh, they offered that I could also train up as a CELTA trainer. So that was a once in a lifetime opportunity and I was really happy that it became available. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did in um, February 2020, just before the pandemic hit. (laughs) So I would at that point, I already felt that I knew that I needed to make a change. So I was glad that I was doing the CELTA trainer training Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
2: because I knew, okay, maybe I could move on into uh, teacher training rather than doing the admin job that I really didn't feel like I liked. Uh, At the same time feeling guilty because it was such a great opportunity. Uh, Not many teachers um, are are feeling very, very stable, especially not the ones that we worked with. There is zero hour contracts. The wages are not very high while I had a permanent contract. But, you know, it just, there there was always this, this, this feeling that um, it's unfair, and it's also not something that I would want to do long term. So yeah, that's basically, basically sums up my teaching and, uh, uh, and training career
1: in EFL. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't a planned question. But I'm just thinking, and I know there's quite a lot of talk at the moment about teaching in general and and teachers wages you're based in the uk how do you see the situation at the moment i absolutely love the question
2: uh can i just uh, do a little spoiler i've just submitted my iatefl proposal and it's literally going to be the uh, topic of my talk <laughs> mm. <laughs> because i'm very <laughs> passionate about uh, so the situation is Quite bad, I would say. It was always, it it wasn't ever very good. Before the pandemic, at least there was work. At the moment, the situation is bizarre because what's happened is uh, obviously when lockdown started, a lot of language schools, and I'm talking about London, which is probably the hub of most language schools, they went bust. They just, they just, you know, ceased to exist. Um, They couldn't afford it. So they closed down. Uh, So what happened is a lot of teachers lost work, lost their jobs, even if they were like just zero hour contracts. But after the pandemic, uh, they never went back. So there is lots of work apparently now because the industry is is like picking itself up. But there aren't teachers available. uh, Because I think people realize that it's just too unreliable. And um, they either went to do something else, or they started working for themselves, which I obviously applaud (laughs) very much, (laughs) and can help them with. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, the wages are at their uh, still, still very much unsatisfying so you know no wonder
1: no wonder literally so the situation is a bit bizarre i i would say yeah so a bit of a debate on linkedin the other day about um someone asking online teachers not to advertise their lessons at five euros an hour because it obviously completely undermines um uh professionally. <laughs> We've done a lot of hard work to get where we are. Um and five advertising at five euros an hour doesn't really help the situation. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh my God. Uh it doesn't. I completely agree. But uh... I see a a much deeper problem there. So the majority of people that I work with now as a coach are people who kind of had that awakening that, okay, I think I can do it myself. I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to advertise my uh, classes, my services somewhere. They either choose one of those, you know, teaching platforms like italki, Preply or however you pronounce it, because I still don't know Um, (laughs) uh, know. or anything else (laughs) or just open their own social media channels. And they basically so they have the idea, the drive, the motivation, usually negative motivation, because they kind of have no chance of getting work in any other way. Um, And then they're stuck because they don't know what to do. They think that the best way to stand out in the pool of or ocean of other teachers is by having low prices, because nobody's ever taught them how to actually um, show people the value of working with them, show people that it's not about price, that language learning is, uh, yes, there is great competition there. Yes, like, English learning is 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 a big 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 market they don't know what to do right so I'm not surprised at the same time I I do get upset and it upsets my clients that um that you know they are trying to charge more but then there are teachers who charge five pounds an hour and it's a bit ridiculous but I kind of understand I kind of understand because it's it's gotten out of hand. And I think the platforms and uh, certain apps that have become really popular nowadays are also to blame. Mm. Uh, Obviously, it's not their fault that that's the situation. There is demand for such stuff like Duolingo or lessons advertised on those marketplaces that are supposed to be cheap. Uh, But at the same but, but on the other hand, or at the same time, uh, it's like a catch 22, nobody wins.
1: <laughs> no. So I, I'm assuming this is what caused the shift for you. So moving out of teaching, teaching, tra- teacher training, and, um, what caused the shift into coaching?
2: Yeah, I had a, I had a good think about it and it actually, it wasn't clear to me for a, a very long time what caused that shift and what what really made me do it like i always knew that i wanted to work with teachers because i do understand them i was one of them i perhaps sometimes um i understand what it feels like to have passion for something but also feel like you are you don't have freedom to actually express your potential. Um, so I wanted to lead that movement. That was my kind of first thought. And I know it's, it's so that's your work. mission. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, because I like to think of it as a mission as well. But then I also recalled a situation from uh, from the times when I worked as an assistant director of studies, there was a situation when Um, we received some really amazing feedback about the school from the students who studied there. And they said that the school is great, like the organization is is really, really good. But the best thing about the school are the teachers. Mm. And while it's kind of obvious that teachers are the core of any language school and like they, they make that change, they influence people's lives. So I asked the management, like, so why do we pay them so little? I literally asked that question very bluntly. <laughs> I <laughs> literally wanted to know, like, what what what's the situation? Like, why um, is this school not making enough? What's the situation like margin profits? So, yeah, there was a big talk about how low the margin profits are, blah, blah, blah. But, at, but one of the sentences that literally hit me and I think of it to this day was teachers knew what they were signing up for. When they, choose, when they chose to work
1: in EFL. And that literally enraged me. No, that, and I, I so disagree with that now. I mean, I certainly, I'm a, an older generation. When I signed up for, for EFL, it was because I wanted to work for an organization that gave me the possibility to travel, to learn. I had the stability of a, a decent full-time contract that enabled me to live comfortably in a foreign country. And I don't believe teachers are asking for any more than that, are they? Exactly. As if there was like this
2: underlying uh, belief that teachers are greedy or that teachers are, and this all, oh, like this This is such a deep, 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 um, I don't know, mindset sort of problem that generally, People think that that, you know, education should be a mission. So people wouldn't go into into teaching if they weren't passionate about it, which is usually or like 100% true. But then as if um, expecting to be paid for it was too much, which (laughs) is like absolute BS. I'm not going to swear, but it it totally is because Everybody deserves to be paid for a, for, a, for a job well done. And also everybody deserves the stability, while it's not something that many,
1: many teachers, especially in EFL, are getting. Yeah, and they're living in, in, in foreign countries, away from family, um, support. Um, you know, a lot of the time they're doing it very much on their own. Oh,
2: absolutely, right? And I think this could be actually linked to that, I don't know, picture of, um, uh, at least in England, I've I've noticed it a lot that a lot of people who, um, especially back in the day, who decided to do the CELTA, um, possibly not even having any other qualifications or a degree, which is not a judgment, it's just stating the facts, they would do a CELTA so that they can have something in their pocket and do as a side hustle while they're traveling hmm. so you know that kind of person is not um an image of a person who wants to have a career in that field right so they kind those, of excited. those people
1: don't exist anymore because um students come out of they come out of university with a huge student loan exactly. <laughs> and they can't afford to just take a year off or two years off and travel around and I know those, I just times, just like, those times are just like are
2: long gone, right? And I bet there are some people who still want to live like that, but the, but exactly, times have changed. Nobody can afford that, but also, like, you know, um if, because I think that there is still some form of like looking at teachers through that lens. Of okay, so especially EFL. I'm not talking about teachers in general, but it's just so prevalent in EFL that you know it's it's just it's never that destination that there, it's assumed that nobody treats it uh, as a real career, and I think that's sad because most of the people I know they do treat it as their destination and like their dream career. They absolutely love it, so um assuming I, that
1: they are not serious about it it's just sad linking it back to your i mean you're you your, your, you you went to ita for last year um i mean there are thousands of people there presenting and they're all you know elt professionals or academics and that is you know that is a tiny part of the of the of the elt community but it, it, it indicates it is a profession. Absolutely, right? So
2: why would we still think that it's not? But oh well, even the government, uh, that's that's something I don't know if, if the listeners know, but uh, when the lockdown started, um, the the EFL industry, there was some movement towards getting a grant so that it would help language schools basically survive, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of language school, uh, like the, the, the capacity at which they work or the, the, um, the premise, sorry, at which they work is also tourism. A lot of people who come to the UK to study English are also at uh, there so to, to, to like kind of, you know, uh, travel a bit or at least see London or some other major cities in the UK and the government uh, denied that help. So you know it's not treated like a real <laughs> industry like a real it's it's been forgotten while the facts are also uh, quite uh, quite mind-blowing because it still brings in a lot of money and it adds to the economy uh, at least in the uk and obviously in uh, in in many other countries as well people still want to study english let's be honest it's still
1: very much on demand oh it's yeah it is um, incredible! I know you have some really good advice for us. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to quickly break to the news, and when we get back, we're going to get listen to to Olha and, and some advice that she might have to help us thrive better in the industry. <laughs> Absolutely. See you after the break. Thanks.
0: Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the Teacher's Health Coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever Health and Wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There'll be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc. Venues St. Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
3: With schools across all four home nations due to close on Monday, the 19th of September, as part of the plans for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, much of this week's news is set to focus on issues away from reflections and remembrance of the UK's longest serving monarch. In Scotland, the largest teaching union has voted to go on strike in a dispute over pay. The Educational Institute of Scotland, known as EIS, rejected a 5% pay offer following a ballot. The EIS announced on Friday the 16th of September that 91% of the responses to the consultative ballot had voted in favour of strike action. 94% of votes were also in favour of rejecting the 5% pay offer. 78% of all union members responded to the ballot. The union, which represents 8 out of 10 Scottish teachers, will reject the offer next week and move to a statutory ballot on strike action. EIS General Secretary said teachers have simply had enough of the year-on-year struggle to achieve a fair pay settlement. She went on to say that 5% offer represents a real terms cut of 7%. Scottish teachers have previously been offered rises of 2% and 3.5% before the offer of 5%. The AIS said teachers' request for 10% was fair and reasonable. The Times has released its 2023 Good University Guide with many media outlets from across the home nations reporting on the standings. With student debt now averaging around £50,000, it's more important than ever that young people research and find the right institution and course for them. The list includes profiles of 135 universities across Britain, and uses data published by institutions in the last two months. The University of Bath is named University of the Year. Whilst it ranks eighth in the overall list, up from ninth in 2021, it won the award due to its strength across the board. Exeter was runner up in this category, with Birmingham, Oxford and Surrey also shortlisted. Whilst Oxford misses out on the University of the Year award, it has again topped the league table, a position it has held for the past 12 years. St Andrews in Scotland was ranked second. Durham University was named Sports University of the Year thanks to its collegiate structure which encourages high levels of participation. The full list can be found by subscribing to the Times website. And finally, 250 former students at Bedford's training college were awarded honorary degrees and reunited by the University of Bedfordshire this week. The graduates, now in their 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, attended the College between 1940 and 1978. The College, known in later years as the Bedford College of Physical Education, held the special ceremonies to celebrate sport and lifelong learning through physical activity. Most of the recipients have taught PE in schools, universities and local communities over the decades. In a week where service to others has been at the forefront of reflections about Her Majesty the Queen, the College has recognised the service and dedication of its former students. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. This
4: week I'm going to talk about a social media post we regularly see. It goes something like this. I'm trying to show my class the reach of social media. Please reply with where you are in the world. Personally, I love this post, and to honor it, I'm going to try it myself with a slight twist. I'm going to use the Insert 3D Map in Excel to show all of the places in the reply on a map of the world. It's so easy to do. You simply put a title in a new column, for example, towns, and then add all of the place names below. Finally, click Insert and choose 3D Map. If it's the first time you're using it, you'll need to follow a few prompts to get it working, but you'll be greeted with a 3D map of the world with a little square pinning all of the places you typed in. If you don't use Excel, don't worry. You can do the same in Google Maps by clicking on directions and adding every place as a waypoint on a journey. This is a great way of showing pupils the reach of social media posts in a way that they can visualise. I'll post the final map next week so you can use it with your pupils and save you a job. So, what are you waiting for? Reply to my tweet or tell at TT Radio 2022 where you are and tag me in at Steve to One. Next week, I'll post the results. TZ Radio 2022. Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: And we're back. Hola, um, a question for you. Um, How do you help teachers? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, yes.
2: Um, So what do I do? (laughs) Many things. But basically, um, the whole idea is to take the unknown out of the setting your own business as a teacher, finding your own students and feeling less overwhelmed, less lonely and more like, You know what you want to, where you want to get, basically. I also help people uh, get the clarity because very often they just come to me with an idea of, yeah, I don't think I want to work for schools anymore in whatever context that was, because that could have been a private language school or sometimes it's state education. I also help people from different countries. So, you know, those, those contexts really, really vary. But yeah, I help them. I help them with with uh, getting that clarity, gaining um, also lots of self belief because it takes a lot of that in order to persevere uh, when building your your own business. I never say that I help people grow go freelance because to me that's a completely different story. Freelance to me is still being out of, um, because of a lack of a better phrase, at the mercy of projects or clients who pay oh, you. Well, when you build your business, you basically decide who you work with, and who you attract to your business. So that's what I help people do. Go completely independent um, and offer their teaching services, lessons or courses or educational products to um, a, a wider wider audience, where they take all the profits. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a dream, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I,
1: I actually really like the definition of freelance as opposed to business owner. Mm. So, um, it, it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> Great.
2: I'm glad you resonate because I always think, like, I, I, I ask, I do ask a lot of teachers, so. Do you consider yourself a business owner or a or a f- freelancer? And a lot of people say freelancer because there is there is a bit of a of, it's, it's a bit vague whether uh, one is different from the other. But for me, the
1: difference is quite clear. Yeah, I, I clearly define myself as a freelancer because I am often at the mercy of product of projects. And, right? <laughs> and, and, yep. 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 That just. that's a little light bulb moment there thank Mm, you no
3: problem
1: (laughs) tell us about some of the people you've helped
2: right so I started in uh, 2021 which is just a bit over a year ago uh, helping people on a one-to-one basis so I started with a few clients from from different, uh, again, different contexts. There were a lot of, obviously, a lot of Polish people, because I attract with my very popular Polish last name, it's literally the Smith of Poland. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) that's that's obvious that a lot of Polish people will kind of seek my advice, but also international people. So a lot of ex-CELTA trainees came to me for... Help and advice, and and we work together on setting up their Instagram profiles or LinkedIn profiles, building their email lists so they can um, nurture their clients. There, um, any form of advice on uh, marketing, content creation. It really varies depending on what they want to achieve, but basically these are these are the things I help them turn what they already know, the teaching skills into uh into into some assets into their uh, so that they can build their businesses because very often teachers don't even see how they could translate some skills that they already have into business and sometimes all it takes is a little bit of direction and a little bit of uh, like actual knowledge about how marketing works, how um, selling works, that, for example, how pricing works, because that's a big problem that people have. Um, So I help them with that, basically.
1: They they need to listen to your podcast. If I raise my prices, my my students will leave.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God, that's just such a common... (laughs) misconception and people say it obviously i hope people know that the title was because i wanted to challenge that and a lot of people who are in my orbit already know that it's not it's not like that people won't necessarily leave they might leave if you radio raise your prices but that's not necessarily a bad thing um so yeah it's it's also it's it's kind of um It's very it it gives me a lot of satisfaction to help people in uh, via my podcast as well, as you mentioned, because um, very often the the titles for the top or the topics for the podcast come to me very easily because I used to think all those things that I then (laughs) challenge or uh, or kind of shed some more light onto. So that's why that's why it's it's uh, it's a very special project for me, definitely.
1: (laughs) And it's wonderful that you can, you're reaching so many people, people, and they're, they're reaping the benefits. I hope so. (laughs) Who inspires and influences you?
2: That's an interesting question. And I actually struggled with this question because, um, there is a lot of a rebel in me. So. I could like, it's very hard for me to say if there is a person who, who ever influenced me, whoever like had any form of, um, who, who inspired me. Um, and I guess it would be a combination of people. Like, I obviously am very much, uh, drawn to people who are like the, the, um, what would you call them? Like the champions of the underdog. Like, like people who help, (laughs) (laughs) I know again. um, people who like, for example, there is this, um, I think she's American. She is a business coach for minorities and mainly black minorities, uh, or not minorities, but for, for black women wanting to build their own businesses. Her Mm -hmm. name is Rachel Rogers. And the book that I read by her was, we should all be millionaires. (laughs) <laughs> which <laughs> appealed to me very much because why not that's yep. one and the other thing is that you know she's also showing people what's possible and that kind of idea of showing people what's possible has always appealed to me a lot so again there isn't there isn't a specific person that influences me or inspires me it's like like more 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 of an idea of Showing people that they've got more potential than they've got Mm -hmm. Um, or like proving to something that you can achieve a lot even if your circumstances were quite challenging or difficult or even if you've got something that you're not, that you're afraid is a weakness. So I'm very open about the fact that uh, I've got ADHD and I like talking about this because I genuinely feel that it it helps people feel more validated and more, less lonely and less like, you know, as if they were outsiders because there is nothing to be ashamed of.
1: Mm. It's true. Um, And being open and honest to that can only sort of validate, I mean, you've been very successful, but um, you, you have obviously worked with it. Um, amazing. What's mm-hmm. what are your goals for the future? Ooh, <laughs> my
2: goal <laughs> for the future or my goals for the future are, uh, I don't think I have a destination where I'm going because, um, having goals gives me enough motivation and drive. I've always been quite driven by, by doing new things by doing things that are challenging by even that thought again came to my head it's just about showing people what's possible and um it's it's about so yeah i could say yeah i i want to show prove to people that even a teacher can make a lot of money for example i could say that why not Mm. but it wouldn't it wouldn't describe all that I really want to do. I definitely want to help in. I definitely want to keep inspiring people to take action and take responsibility for their own fate, let's say, mm. and that they definitely can do it and that they just need to understand that the resources that they've already got. So the skills that they've acquired, the passion um, are enough Are enough to start and they don't need anything else. Um, so yeah, and I just need a little bit more fairness in this world and for people who actually work hard and who actually are great at what they do, uh, to be recognized for it, because I think that's literally the story of, of most educators in the
1: world. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> so, so it, it is possible to make a decent living.
2: It absolutely is. Absolutely. And it's not only because I say so, because I'm such a visionary and (laughs) uh, I do tend to be an extreme optimist uh, about everything, but it's never failed me. So I do have evidence. Uh, Me being one of them, I do. uh, I I was absolutely petrified when I quit my managerial job and uh, didn't think I could make that kind of salary back or make up for that salary. But it happened. It happened within less than a year because I had an idea and I worked uh, consistently on on building something that is possible to monetize around it. Mm. Uh, I found a great gap in the market as well. And I think uh, that's literally what it takes. And I also obviously have evidence from people that I work with. I've, um worked with uh teachers who like when they came to me they would be charging the the you know 5 dollars an hour and then they their confidence grew so much and they started showing that there are completely different things that matter such as the results that their students get or um the the the, the fact that you know the more recognized they are as a brand and as a specialist as well in a certain area of teaching, um, helps so much to to um, be able to charge more, and to actually build a business model in which we're not just teaching all the time, because that's another problem that people have. Um, they think that it only counts when they actually do active work with students. That's again, that's not. Yes. Forgive that's, me for my. I'm not singing in the background. Um, it's not the case. Everything matters. It's When building a business, there are so many little things and little factors and little, um, not even little, but actions that you need to take in order to build it, that it all absolutely counts towards that bigger goal of being freer, more independent, and having a de- decent
1: li- living. And sometimes working three days a week rather than... Oh yes, <laughs> definitely. Tell us of something fun about you that most people. I mean, you, you're fun all the time. So, um, it, it, uh, forgive me if the question seems <laughs> seems um, silly. But tell us something about you that most people don't know. Hmm. I am an oversharer,
2: so it's very hard to come up with something. <laughs> that people don't know. But um, people may not know that uh, there are, there are certain, uh, let's say, oh, yes, that might that might be something that people don't know. I'm very particular about the way things work in my house. So while I, I may seem on the outside that I'm this happy-go-lucky person and very positive, in my house, I'm actually quite a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> so things have to be in a particular order. There are also particular types of foods that I absolutely hate. Three of them being, and people are always shocked when I tell them, because how can you not like them? They are uh, salmon olives and raisins i absolutely despise uh, those three things and i cannot stand them and yeah (laughs) that's that's what i would say is a bit fun because it might
1: give people a different image of me were you forced to eat raisins
2: as a young child yeah there is a tradition (laughs) of um Uh, so we we do have our polish cheesecake and cheesecake is always made with raisins and while i absolutely love a cheesecake why would you add stupid raisins to it i do not understand until today until this day
1: (laughs) i I live i live in italy at christmas there's always a the pandoro or panentone oh yes oh so you would you would be a pandoro. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, or panitot. not Pandora. Pandora, Pandora. There are no races or sultanas in it. (laughs) If you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you? A vegetable.
2: I can imagine myself um, as an aubergine because it's just a bit quirky. It also takes up a lot of space, and I do take up a lot of space, and it's got a cool, vibrant colour, yeah. <laughs> I think I would be an aubergine.
1: <laughs> I have attended, I mean, I obviously live in southern Italy and just went on holiday in Greece, actually, so there, it's actually one of my favourite vegetables, Ola. Um. Um, there is a, a parmigiana, which is fantastic here, and last, last weekend I spent several hours making a traditional moussaka and and um yeah no i'm with you on on that vegetable
2: <laughs> amazing sounds delicious
1: do you have a favorite film
2: oh i do actually have a few <laughs> that's another funny fact so um i'm also my mum. i've got a newly five-year-old son uh, whose name um uh, I guess we came up with it based on one of my favorite films, (laughs) which is just a bit funny. Um, It's quite a rare name, I would say. And the film is about, I, um, I'm, I'm going to try and describe it and see if people can guess in their minds. So it's a film from the 90s with Jean Reno. It's a, I think it's a French-American production. Natalie Portman plays there as well. He's an older guy. She is a little girl and they develop a friendship. He is a serial killer as well. Oh. And do you know the name of the film? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I thought everybody knew it. Um, it's Leon. Léon
1: oh yes yes yes
2: <laughs> so I love the film I've always loved the name and yeah that became my son's name
1: <laughs> I think
2: it's one of my favorite films actually I also love um some of the Tarantino's films and my favorite being *Inglorious Bastards*. I just, I have this memory of going to the cinema to see it uh, when it was released. I don't know when it was, about 10, 12 years ago. And I went to the cinema and it was the first time when I saw the whole audience after the screening stood up and clapped, honestly, (laughs) in a cinema.
1: Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Now, I know that your superpower is teaching and sharing knowledge, but if you could have an extra superpower, Ola, what would it be?
2: Hmm. So, interesting. I wouldn't like to be invisible. That's never appealed to me. No. (laughs) I think it would be uh it could be like one of those i guess it could be a device or something or a superpower i guess of being able to um be in multiple places at the same time possibly yes i would love to be in multiple places at the same time i'm always i always have this feeling of like oh i'm missing missing out on something or i'm working but i would love to be somewhere else and and be seeing someone or or be on holiday at, at the same sometimes I have this need to 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 like multiply yeah maybe multiplying <laughs> myself
1: cloning my yeah self-cloning
2: yes oh that would be so good
1: so <laughs> that does sound a bit tiring for me but I I'm know
2: satisfied. I'm just I'm just never satisfied I am that kind of person who like kind of always is on the go uh, on the move and yeah it actually does appeal to me a lot now when I think of it.
1: Okay, for those who are listening that want to to get in touch with you, um, and and follow you, where can they find you, Paula?
2: Right. So, um, I'd be very happy to welcome everybody to my Instagram account, where I hang out daily. I think that's that's where I uh, like kind of focus most of my energy. Um, On and I've built a lovely community there as well. So that's that's where I am, and that's at Ola underscore coaches underscore teachers. Um, Or when you, if you type in my name Ola Kowalska, you can. I will probably pop up. Although. I don't know. My name is quite common. So (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's that's where I can be found. And I post lots of content. But to be honest, my favorite thing in the world is being on Instagram stories because they are very spontaneous. And I usually do them and like record them uh, very much based on like an impulse. And that's what I think people also find appealing because we usually have conversations based on my little reflections or things that I've done. And it's just worked wonderfully for me in terms of like having fun in my business, but also actually marketing myself because people got to know me as a person there and I consider it as strength. A lot of people are a bit afraid of doing that, but I consider it a big, big strength if if you're comfortable with, with that. So Instagram being one, then obviously there is my podcast, Get Richer Teacher. (laughs) <laughs> which is available, right, uh, which is available uh, on all sorts of uh, podcasting platforms. Uh, and my website, I guess, would be a good uh, place if anybody wanted to read on uh, how I help teachers, what kind of programs I've got, and um, if they wanted to get in touch. And that the website is holakowalska.com, so it's quite easy to remember.
1: Fantastic if you had to choose instagram or linkedin
2: what would it be? What oh would definitely it be? instagram <laughs> i mean not because i particularly like it as a consumer but it's because it just worked wonders for me and my business that's it and that's also not to say that if somebody comes to work with me i would say just open an instagram account absolutely not because this uh, like presence on online depends on a lot of factors and it should always be considered based on that particular person's situation or target market so but it just worked so well for me that yeah for me it's a clear
1: choice. I'm just not very good at it. Um, so yeah, I might get in touch with yes. you for some help yes. for that. Yes. Because yes. it's just not my thing. Yeah.
2: yeah, I was actually thinking, because when you said you had that light bulb moment uh, about freelancing, and now you're saying, uh, I'm not very good at it, it's it's another mindset thing, you know? Because mm. as long as it's not something that you consider a problem, I wouldn't worry about it if you want to be a freelancer be a freelancer if you want to stay on linkedin or twitter which which is where a lot of the elt community hangs out anyway mm. uh just do that right there is no one fit uh, one size fits all I always say that because it's, it's, it's very naive to think that everybody can have the same success just by following somebody else's blueprint. I've Mm. never been a believer of that. So it's about noticing what you're actually good at, and that's something I heard Uh, at uni from one of my lectures which was quite controversial. She said so do you guys think you have any strengths or weaknesses and people say yeah probably so what do you think you're going to do with those weaknesses and everybody said we're going to improve them and she said forget about them just focus on the strengths and be even better and that's literally what I
1: believe as well. Fabulous advice like (laughs) you to have that yeah and, and it does make it makes complete sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it totally does.
2: And it helps you feel more confident because you genuinely feel, that if you genuinely know that you're good at something, that then you naturally feel like, yeah, I, I just can do it, right? And then you can think of outsourcing the weaknesses or thinking about, uh like oh can i actually avoid that or and that's absolutely okay
1: um diana has just asked to speak um maybe she's got a question for you Uh, diana i'll just invite you um in and diana did you get the invitation hmm um, maybe if you could, if you do do have a question for Olhar, if you could put it in the chat, that would be great. Um, I, I have invited you a couple of times, but um, it doesn't seem to have have worked. Um, do let us know in the chat. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. Olha, please do. Please do. Sure. <laughs> sure okay. Um, we're actually almost out of time, which is you know um please do come back with some some more advice.
2: I would be so happy to um it's you know it's hard to like kind of share everything I know and like in in just one hour of a conversation, so I would be very, very, very honored and happy to come back and um share some tips on a very specific topic if anybody has any questions actually i would be very happy to uh to do that again it's been a pleasure
1: thank you again um thank you everybody who's joined us in the studio and if you're listening back um i hope you find the conversation that i've just had um as inspiring um thank you Ola. It, it has just been wonderful wonderful talking to you and um i hope to see you back on the show again soon
2: thank you so much jane jane for the opportunity it's been lovely speaking to you and very natural as well i love this experience (laughs) of this live interview i love spontaneity so it's 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 like literally very much up my street thank you so much again (laughs) thank you to all the listeners and yeah please get in touch i love meeting new people um talking to you in private messages is, is one of my favourite business activities, so um, don't be a stranger. Thank
1: you again. Thanks, Ola, and thank you everyone for joining us. See you again next week, same time.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time